Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the show, I wanted to let you know that the Handlebar is a lovely craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, and they have an even lovelier happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., during which you get a dollar off all of their craft beers on draft. They have 28 of them. I'm not kidding. That's a real deal. Seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. That's four hours at the Handlebar. A dollar off any of their awesome draft beers. You can drink them inside, at the bar, at a table. You can drink them outside on their newly renovated gorgeous patio. It's lovely here in Chico right now. Johnny and I highly encourage you to check them out. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street, south end of town, right next to Winco, right next to Best Buy. Again, that's the handlebar. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is, I like to do a different voice every time. Just say, what voice is that? I don't know, it's a new one. Uh, we are a podcast and radio show based out of Chico, California. And each and every week, we talk about the wide, wide worlds of craft beer and film. And my name is Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Welcome hey. to the show. <laughs> okay, fine. We will stick with our normal voices from now on. I've learned my lesson. No, I like the weird voices. This week on our show, our review of Bullet Train. It's a new film from director David Leach, the man behind, amongst other things, the John Wick franchise. The film stars Brad Pitt as a snatch-and-grab mercenary hired to retrieve a mysterious briefcase off of a high-speed bullet train. However, he soon realizes that he's not the only one trying to get his hands on it. The movie's currently in wide release, and we'll be diving into our thoughts after our first beer of the week. That's right. The beers this week were purchased by myself. Uh, and they are from The Vale Brewing out of Richmond, Virginia. The first one's going to be called New New Mirage Mirage. It's a New England IPA at nope, 6%. And the second one is going to be called Bros Night Out, B-R-O-Z. It's an Imperial New England IPA that clocks in at 9%. That's right. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a wonderful Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to get uh, the first half of our show today, which includes the first beer review, the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Bullet Train. Yeah, but you should tell them where to go if they want to hear the rest of the chat with spoilers for Bullet Train, review of the second beer from The Veil, vale, and the incomparable, ever-delightful, hot-and-bothered segment. Yeah, man, they could go to uh, Spotify, they could go to SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere podcasts are found. Like I said, we release these things weekly, every Friday morning, 7 a.m., you can find a new one. If you do like our show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts, and please let us know that you did. Social media, follow us, please. Please. Goodness gracious. We've been rebuilding our Instagram. We need you to all reconnect. It's at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. Go follow us. Give us some love. Also, check us out on Letterboxd for film reviews and untapped for beer reviews. You can just search at fresh hop cinema mm-hmm. or go to freshhopcinema.com for everything else. Yeah, a little bit of housekeeping to clean up from last week. Johnny, you and I are having a debate about a beer called The Jewels from a brewery called Hop Butcher for the World. Uh, and we were trying to decide if it was a hazy IPA or not. I was pretty convinced it was. You were a little bit on the fence. So we reached out to the brewery uh, on their Instagram, actually. And they said it's a hazy double IPA for sure. And they said, quote, we don't delineate on our labels, hazy versus clear. So I'm glad we cleared that up. We said that we were going to reach out. And I declare we did. Uh, still a really great beer, by the way. It I was like quite a bit, but yeah, like that's kind of a weird thing to say. What's that? We don't we don't label our beers. I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but okay. fair enough. You mean like tell us what kind of beer it is? You don't do that? Yeah, it's like fine, fine, like it's fine. Cool. It was, again, it was pretty clear in that beer. Yeah, uh, no, not no anti pun. It was not a clear beer, but it yeah. was pretty obvious to me that it was a New England. So I didn't see a need but for it. A, but that's after you poured it. What if one Good was point. going to purchase it? 
and then <laughs> mm-hmm. you are wondering what liquid variety yeah. is enshrined in this aluminium. That is the, uh, I love how many words you just shifted. Uh, that's the, the downside potentially of this is like, yeah, like you could be turning people off, especially if they're going to buy like an Imperial West Coast IPA. And it's like, no, this is a hazy IPA. I hate hazy IPAs. Yeah, because it just said like double IPA. Yes, and I personally don't like hazy IPAs, right. so. You like that one. And if that's the case, you're in for a treat today, man. Even though you picked out two yeah. hazy, but I'm getting ahead of myself probably. Um, let's get into Patreon, shall we? Okay, uh, tell people that don't know what Patreon is, Johnny Summers. Well, besides being my favorite website, your dog's favorite website. Hopefully. Hopefully. Let's get a dog on Patreon. That'd be great. Someone should sign up for their dog. Yeah, I'm going to make a profile for my cat. That'd be great. We could just He's at all the parties. Yeah, true. Yeah, he should be in. Yeah. Anyways, that is a way that you, the listener, can become more involved with money. It makes us smarter. It makes us more entertaining. I yeah, it makes us proven. able to do. You say, yeah, keep talking. What is the website? What is what is Patreon? Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema is where you're going to go if you want bonus episodes every week, invites to events, movie nights, bar hangs, merch runs, and so much more. Yeah. So, so much more. It's a great place to go check it out. It's little as a dollar a week you can support. Uh, there's levels to this game, but they're all fun and they're all loved by us. So if you're yeah. into it, go check it out. And get more involved. Yeah, one more little bit of housekeeping from last week. We did neglect very shamefully to give one of our patrons a birthday shout out. It was Shauna's birthday last week. So Shauna, happy birthday. Uh, Sorry we missed it, but it was great hanging out with you for a bit at our Sparklegasm event. What a treat. I think we wished her happy birthday that night. So that covers us for we not did. saying it on Late the show. Late in the night, we definitely said that. It's your birthday. We all said it. <laughs> um, okay, do you have anything else on Patreon? I do not. Let's crack this first beer. Then with Johnny Summers, that out of the way, let's get into our first beer. What are we drinking? Give me a reminder, please. New, new Mirage Mirage from The Veil Brewing Company. It's a New England IPA, 6%. It is double dry hopped with Mosaic, Nelson, Simcoe, Strata, and Citra. That's a lot of hops, Makes me son. nervous, man. Uh, bursting with well-integrated juicy nectarine, apricot, honeysuckle, and orange flavors. Get pretty nervous when something says it has that many hops in yeah, it. Yeah, we have sort of a, maybe it's just been an unlucky streak on the show, but more often than not, when we drink an IPA that has, I would say, more than three hops that they point out, it tends to get very muddled and a little bit, tone, uh, fla- flavor-wise, a bit confusing. Um, I have high hopes. Again, this is a new brewery for us. We've never experienced the veil before, so maybe we will today, and it'll be it'll, it'll change the tide a little bit. You've poured it in your glass. It's a delectably hazy burnt orange, or maybe not burnt orange. Uh, very, very hazy looking beer though. Um, and I'm just smelling it from across the table and I'm going to pour myself, but yeah, what are your initial impressions? That is a hugely pungent beer. The nose on that is just irradiating the whole room. Like we need to get a Geiger counter in here. Sure. Yeah, no, that is wow. Uh, yeah, they used probably all the hops in this beer. Yeah. Like not just varieties, but quantity. This is so incredibly aromatic with hops. Like I opened that and it was just a blast. And then you drink it and you're anticipating. I was anticipating this to be incredibly sweet, Mm -hmm. but it is not at all. Yeah. Well, we we do this sometimes. We did it last week. Yeah. We'll talk about a hazy IPA and and you'll say something like it's not sweet at all. And I want to clarify now because I'm not sure if I'm understanding you right. But are you saying in the context of hazy IPAs, it's not sweet? Or are you saying objectively speaking, it's not sweet? No, as far as hazy IPAs go. Okay. Then I'm with you. It's, It's not. No. Um, there's certainly sweetness there, but more so than anything else is a hoppiness that is um, not super sharp and bitter, but definitely um, it feels like it's masking some sweetness to me. 
what are you digging for in this ice chest? I just realized that both of our beers this week mm-hmm. were super hazy, so I wanted to stand this one up smart until we open it later. Fair enough. Because I feel like all the goodies at the bottom perhaps got mixed in with this and up the bitterness quite oh, a bit. Oh, maybe, dude. Because uh, they've been stored on their side since I purchased them today. Gotcha. So um, Before we talk more about the beer itself, I was looking at the can as I poured it, and it was clear to me why you picked this, knowing you. That font is a very heavy metal looking font to me. Very heavy metal, very horror film. Yeah. Yeah. If, if anybody's can call to mind the look of the film Mandy's poster, mm-hmm. it's almost like the M in Almost Mandy. the same M. Um, but it's a, it's a great, it's not full art all the way around. It's a sticker on the front and it's kind of a blue and or, or a, a turquoise and uh, almost blood red kind of or oxidized blood red sort of looking thing. Uh, really appealing can, I think. And I'm digging the beer so far. Yeah, I like their marketing. And yeah, I, I enjoy the the liquid. It's... It's definitely sit heavy on the palate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a light drinking beer, but that's okay. It's a 6% New England style. That's anticipated. Uh, I don't think this beer has too many hop varietals. I think the ones that they used are mingling nicely. It doesn't taste confused. Mm-hmm. It tastes pointed, like what it, they wanted it's it to It's got a singular like. hop vision for sure. Yeah. But it almost reminds me of something like a mosaic, not a mosaic hop, an actual mosaic, where which is a, a piece of, you don't know, typically glass that is an assortment of little tiny pieces of glass. And as you back up, you realize it's actually a full image. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happening here because I feel like I'm far enough away that I can't quite pick out the individual hops, but they aren't warring with each other, which is a nice change of pace, if you ask me. They're making like a nice stained glass window totally. of like a, a goldfish I'm seeing in a my A goldfish, head. huh? Like just leaping out of a pond. Okay, sure, yeah. I'll take it. All right. Uh, this is not quite, this, this doesn't evoke quite the refreshing element that that calls to mind for me. This is more like a an alligator jumping out of a swamp. Uh, hey, to me, to. It, oh, it reminds me of like going through a hike, on a hike through a pine tree forest. That could work. Lots of sap floating around. Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, I smelled some fresh pine sap this weekend, so I, I know. Sure, there's probably some left in your mustache. Speaking of smelling, I'm going to bring back an old one. So this is a deep cut, and it's something that I noticed right when I first smelled it. And I, like I, there's there's no intellectual way of describing this. I can't figure out what it does, and it's only happened to me a couple times in my beer drinking career. About to say. Maybe. It smells a bit like vacuum. Yep. Yeah. And I don't exactly know how to describe that except for musty. Um dusty dusty musty like 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 you're going like you're popping your head in an attic and then you take a big deep breath and all of a sudden just the sawdust and dust comes off of the boxes up there yeah and it sounds gross when you describe it but it's not a disgusting flavor and to i don't me, know how else to get out i this. don't think that sounds gross it sounds as gross as like the smell of an old book oh that's better yeah. yeah this reminds me of old book that's pleasant that's a pleasant right um, association i love going to used bookstores I don't I do buy too. anything. I just sniff. Yeah, it's a good way to go. Man. Just kidding. I support used bookstores yeah, all the time. Um, but it's, you know, I really do dig this beer, but there is something that reminds me of whatever beer that was we did in our first month or two of recording this show back in like 2016. Episode three. Yeah. Some, it was for sure the first five. It might have been episode one. I, I don't know. Um, but there's something similar here. And I liked that beer. For yeah. It's worth. No, there's like an earthy, musty, yeah. dusty dampness to it. Yeah. A deep, dark dankness. Yes. There should be a beer called that. If there's not yet, there needs to be. Deep, dark, dank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything you're not loving about it? Uh, or not liking about it? You I have mean, to love it. It does have a really strong hop taste. And when you get something that strong and kind of pointed, in a beer like a New England style IPA, it is kind of a weird marriage. 
you know, I love a balanced New England IPA with, you know, a really nice hot presence that melds mm-hmm. with the sweetness to create um, a singular vision. Whereas this, the hops are pushed out quite a bit to the front. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, that's going to be a big negative. Like this beer is on the bitter side. It's on the dry side. It's very punchy. But as someone who prefers a West Coast IPA, I think all those things are pretty redeeming. Yeah, it's certainly a West Coast, a West Coaster's East Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. Um there, my thing is that there's when when a when a hop profile is pretty focused on on one or two hops maybe it's it, it's very clear even if I don't like those flavors those flavors are very obvious to me mm-hmm. and it's it's a bit like being cut with a like a, a razor blade and this is more like having your heart dug out with a spoon in that sense is that a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves yes, reference it is. <laughs> um, why a spoon it's cousin? dull you twit um, it's just it's just so broad like the hop bite of this is so it's not sharp enough to cut through my palate in a way that makes me feel like it's being decisive. It's just like, boom, hops. Mm-hmm. And if you are a person who is, you know, affectionate towards hop bitterness in general, especially in a sweeter, almost maltier kind of New England, then I think that works. But if you're somebody like me who tends to prefer those those hazy beers to be a little bit brighter and juicier, this is going to lose a little bit of love, I think, for you. That's fair. Not by any means a bad beer. What were you going to say? Also, uh, the guy from Nope was, in fact, in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It was, I, oh, you're, this is, what, when, it was like two, three weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that you're cleaning this up now. Mm-hmm. What what guy was it? Which actor? In, uh, what character was he in the movie? In which movie? In Nope. Uh, he was the cinematographer. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yes. Uh, Hoyt. No, that's the actual cinematographer. Yeah. Hoyt Van Hoytema. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Lo- yeah, loyal listeners. We'll he'll, have he'll that know. loop closed. Yep. Good work. He was definitely, he's the one that asked why a spoon, cousin. Yes. Oh, okay. No, what? Yep. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's great. That's yep. a good catch, man. Um, okay. So anything more on Nunu Mirage Mirage? I think it's a good intro to the Vale Brewing. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I'm not familiar with them as to whether they have hype around them or not, but they were something new to me and available. So I'm stoked I got to try it. Uh, where'd you pick it up? This both the beers this week came from the Liquor Barn in Redding, California. Wow! Shout out to an out of town place. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I deal with the the manager up there, James. Okay, he's a beer buyer. And a and, shout out. Yeah, I was like, hey man, do you have anything like maybe mm-hmm. that I hadn't tried before? Like something new, new. Something. Give me some. Give me that new, new. And sure. He's like, hey, hey. <laughs> you're setting me up too good, man. All right. Uh, so they had this one and another one that I might actually pick up next week unless something cool comes along in okay. Chico. So yeah, it's fun. They get a little bit d- different distro. I, yeah. Just lots of things I haven't seen. Where where in Reading-ish is? I don't, I'm not super uh, familiar. But. You take the Cypress exit, mm-hmm. turn left at the Lumberjack Cafe, and then go past the Office Depot, and it's on the left. Cool. Well, when we are um, off <laughs> off of our- <laughs> That was oddly specific. It was extremely specific. You asked. When we're off of our radio waves, we'll talk about pricing here, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that'll be later in the show. For now, Johnny, any more thoughts on Nunu Mirage Mirage, or should we give it a rating? Uh, I like it. I'm ready to rate it. Okay. Um, I think I'm about there, too. I'm just kind of formulating my last thoughts here, but um, maybe if you drag out your rating slightly, I can I can see if I have any last little tidbits of information. Yeah. Well, I think for me, this beer, just the way it came together, gravitates towards my palate, enjoying it just because of the bitterness. So I would say I like this more than your average, you know, maybe six or seven, what I would rate it, mm-hmm. New England IPA. Mm-hmm. For me, this one's probably in like the mid to high sevens. This feels like a seven, seven, seven. Seven, seven. I will say uh, also for loyal listeners, long time listeners, uh, you did technically travel to get this. 
No, they got out of my way. Okay, true. Yeah, I was. If there. you traveled again to get yeah. it, I guess I was there anyway. Okay. Um, mm. Wow, I just took another. So sip. did I, and that's what I was about to oh. say. So, so we've each poured, so we're drinking out of um, you know four ounce, five ounce tasting glasses, and we finished our first maybe two or three ounces, so we don't fill it all the way up to get a little nose in there. Why is that so much better? It's bitter or better. Better. Okay, see, I like it less, so maybe oh. this is the point. So we've each poured another two or three ounces, and maybe it's you can talk it up to whatever settled, mm-hmm. but there's way more of a hot bite mm. in the second half of this can. So I just took a sip and I got like stone fruit. Like it tastes like nectarine. I was almost. leaning towards mango. Okay. I was leaning towards like mango totally. and uh, pineapple kind of vibes. But but again, like a musty mango. Like mm-hmm. a, like a, like not, it's not the freshest, but it's not rotting. Like this mango fell off the tree yesterday. It's still edible. Sure. Don't leave it laying on the forest now, floor. Now you like longer. this more because of that, because of the, the flavors you're picking up now. Second, like what, third or fourth sip? The sip I just took after yep. I rated it, it tasted a little bit better, a little bit brighter, more juicy, fruity notes. I think if you want to take another sip, we're still in the wheelhouse of being able to, to adapt your rating. We're still actively drinking nope. it. Seven, seven. So it didn't it didn't change it that much. No. All right. Well, I'm gonna still take, good. I'm gonna take one more sip then. Yeah, and I think honestly, it's worth picking up just because it's sparked an interesting conversation about like the the pros and cons of a super hop forward New England style and, and how it fits into different people's palates. This would be a good one to to drink with a few people that maybe are fans of that style or aren't. Yes. And see where it lands on their their scale. But I dig it. I think I would buy this over a lot of other New England IPAs. Yeah, okay. So for me it would be closer to the bottom of that list. I it's it's a solidly made beer, but for me it's not overcoming the mountain of hop mashup. The 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 confusion of bitterness there is still overwhelmingly the uh, dominant flavor it's like a flashbang of bitter it is um so i think it's okay not something i love borderline something i even like so i think that's for me about a five i'm gonna leave this right in the middle of the road that's a five for me Um, and you're sticking with your seven seven is that correct i think it's solid okay well then once again you're listening to fresh hop cinema you might be listening on a thursday evening on kzfr 90.1 fm if you get the chance to try new new mirage mirage or any other beers from the veil we want to know what you think so please don't hesitate to reach out and while you're at it take a picture of yourself drinking it and tag us on your instagram we're at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema we love to see what you're drinking and we love to hear what you're thinking about it uh, you can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com, or if you're enjoying the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, only if it's five stars, though. Please. Next up, we have a trailer for this week's movie, Bullet Train, but fret not. No spoilers in the se- next segment. Stick around. Hi. There's a gun on It's the quiet car. Got to use your small inside voice in here, son. There's a gun. Talk to me. I am ready. You are getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Take the gun. Every job I do, somebody dies. I'm not that guy anymore. Some conflicts require a gun. Hey, this is nice. Okay, what am I snatching and or grabbing? A briefcase. You said you wanted simple for your first job back. Doesn't get simpler. Sorry, 
you stab me? Ruin your life the way you ruin mine. Dude, I don't even know you. There's nothing simple about this job. Something else going on here. Yeah, I'm not the only one on this train looking for this case. Evan, mm. where's the briefcase? Oh, it's not safe. It was just there. We are right on schedule. Everything that's ever happened to you. This is gonna sting. Has led you here. Fate. That's a sh deal. Oh no, thank you. You know what? Do you have um, anything sparkling? That's the one. Thank you. Domo arigato. You sure you want to talk this out? Not particularly, no. Uh, okay. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found by you. It'll be available to stream tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., wherever podcasts are found. So at the end of this, if you can't get enough, you just want to hear the rest of the show, go listen. We would love it if you did. Uh, what you just heard was a trailer for Bullet Train. Ladybug, played by Brad Pitt, is an unlucky assassin who's determined to do his job peacefully after one too many gigs has gone off the rails. Fate, however, may have other plans as his latest mission puts him on a collision course with lethal adversaries from around the globe, all with connected yet conflicting objectives on the world's fastest train. This is a film directed by David Leach. You might know Leach from, of course, John Wick 1 through 3, Atomic Blonde, Nobody, Deadpool 2, Kate, uh, The Fast and Furious Presents, Hobbs and Shaw, and that's just to name the films that we have covered on this podcast over the years. It's got a screenplay by Zach Olkowitz. It was adapted from a Japanese novel called Maria Beetle by Kataro Isaka. Cinematography shout out here to Jonathan Sella, who's worked with David Leach quite a bit on multiple films over the years. Um, it screened first in Paris, mid-July, came to theaters in the United States in the er, beginning of August, runs two hours, six minutes long, was made on a budget of $90 million. In its opening weekend, made $30 million, and uh, at the time of this recording, after a five-day run, has made $70 million, just about, so almost made its money back. It's doing just fine. Like I said, it stars Brad Pitt as codename Ladybug. Aaron Taylor Johnson plays Tangerine. Brian Tyree Henry plays his brother and uh, fellow assassin slash mercenary Lemon. Joey King plays the prince. Andrew Koji, the father. Hiroyuki Sonata, the elder. And uh, there's a lot of people we'll probably talk about. Uh, and I meant to say Hiroyuki. I'm so sorry. Um, we can get into the the plot here. There's some convolution that is necessary in a movie like this. Um but Johnny, before we get into our thoughts, can you kind of set the stage for what kind of movie this is? And listeners, if you have a beer handy, anytime Johnny says silly goose time, drink. Well, okay. <laughs> folks, see, I was all ready for my thoughts. That's always what you ask me right I now. I know, but I, I feel like I didn't set off. up this movie quite right. Okay, so what you have here is kind of a action-packed spy espionage double-crossing blackmail thriller with snakes, trains, Broken bones, jokes. accidental deaths, jokes, sarcasm, mm -hmm. meditation, and uh, it's a silly goose time. 
drink. Yeah. Okay, great. No, it's it's a little bit of all those things. It's uh, John Wick had a baby with Snatch, and then it got uh, sprinkled on by Edgar Wright. Oh, I think that's giving it too much credit, but we can get into that in a bit. I think Edgar Wright is uh, far and away better well, in this yeah, movie. But, but it, it tries. It does try. That's a good yeah, point. Okay. And that's a great segue to my thoughts. Sure. Yeah, your thoughts on Bullet Train, Johnny <laughs> Summers. Well, this movie's all over the place. Uh, you know, for a movie that's contained in such a small environment, you would think it would not have as much room to go all over the place as it does. Convolute is a great word. It came to mind many times while I was watching this. Uh, the desire for subtitles, a pen and a pad, also came to mind when I was watching this. There's Just the snatch element. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the snatch element was definitely the uh, the fast paced, you know, yeah. lemon and tangerine that Cockney, uh, which was great. Yeah. But um, yeah, this movie was really, really all over the place thematically. Uh, vision wise, you know, it just felt very scattered and frenetic and a bit manic at times. Uh, there was, however, this golden thread that was the through line of this movie, okay. and that was Brad Pitt. Sure, his character was so damn lovable, and just I re- he tied this movie together. He was the through line that made it entertaining, uh, and. I'm not going to say what, he was, yeah, what about him? He was great in this movie, but the character he portrayed is this kind of zenned out wanting to do better and like better himself kind of criminal who's like yeah. going into this without a gun. He's in therapy. He talks about Barry, his therapist all the time. I love every time that Brad Pitt speaking, I think without this, without him, this movie falls apart and is complete and utter garbage dude on that point really quickly the, so the original book was written with with all japanese characters and david leach was talking about it in an interview how he wanted to make this more of a, a an inclusive global um experience so, oh and so, it was so, so multiculturally casting different people i think was to your point like brad pitt is a good move mm-hmm. for sure yeah absolutely uh but it, you know this movie had obvious influence from guy ritchie from tarantino from edgar wright there's a lot of the shades of their styles that kind of cast a pall over this movie, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really successfully execute any one of them for any length of time. Yeah. Um, so it's just a bit confused and way too hard to follow. There were mm-hmm. so many zigs and zags in this plot. About halfway through the movie, I basically, in my mind, threw my hands up and said, I'm going to stop thinking about <laughs> yeah. the plot because yeah. I'm thinking so hard about XYZ's motivations mm-hmm. for ABC that I'm missing what's happening. So yeah. I have to just divorce myself from the idea that I'm going to follow this plot yes. and then just sit there and let it happen to me. And once I did that, it was more enjoyable. But mm-hmm. to, to get so complex in a movie that could be so simple and well executed if it were more simplistic, to overcomplicate yes. that takes probably more than less of average viewers completely out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a fun time watching it mainly for Brad Pitt, but this movie was a hot mess. Um, did not love it by any means, loved Brad Pitt's performance in it. There sure. were cool moments, great elements, little pieces of hope, but by and large as a total piece of, of filmmaking, this, this movie was, um, was a train wreck. Okay. I'm going to forgive that one though. That was pretty good. Um, and if there was ever a time to write your actual words into a letterbox review, that would be the perfect way to bookend it. Um, 
so yeah, dude, there's, it is all over the place. I agree. It's a fun watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there's a, there's a point in this movie and I think it's a point right after when you had decided to kind of throw in the emotional towel. You're like, all right, we're just going for the ride. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the movie surpassed that. And I was like, okay, we're going for the ride. Mm-hmm. I stopped caring, but in a really invested way, I was like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. But like, <laughs> I was, I became less invested in the emotional stakes and like super down for whatever happened. It is the kind of movie where, like you're saying, there's plot lines everywhere throughout it. There's so like you have Brad Pitt's character trying to get this briefcase from, from the two twins who are stealing it for their own reasons or, or, you know, retrieving it for their own reasons, I guess is more accurate. And you have Joey King's character who is a, a mercenary sort of going under the guise of a schoolgirl kind of thing, who, but she's like a deadly assassin. They all have their own motives. Um, and that can be very taxing for sure, especially when the movie is relying on you to want to tie up those loose ends by the end. I wasn't that invested. No, I didn't care about most of the loose ends. And I think the movie falters when it kind of gets into the larger CGI set pieces. There's, there's some moments where characters are outside of the moving train and, and it feels very uh, cheap and CGI'd. But there's some, like when I knew it was David Leach, I was hoping for some awesome hand-to-hand combat and there was some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie at times is extremely violent without committing to any real sense of violence. Right. Like it's very it's very comical and um, sort of self-referential in that there's a particular sequence where the twins are recalling a, a job they did and they killed 16 or 17 people. They're not sure. So we mm-hmm. get the breakdown. And that doesn't always work in this movie. For me, Like I think there's a lot of stuff like that. And it, it feels, um, I don't know. I think in the writing room, they might have just thought that was going to be funnier. There's a few cameos that work or don't work, depending on your thoughts. Um, there's one particular callback or, or two, depending on how you look at it to a, a movie that came out, I think earlier this year, um, which I won't say now, but we'll save for the danger zone. Um, overall dude. Yeah. Like Brad Pitt kind of makes the movie. Um, he's, he's a very comically brilliant actor. I think he doesn't get a lot of opportunities to shine. I think in once upon a time in Hollywood, very funny mm-hmm. fight club, very funny, but for kind of a different sensibility. Yeah. Um, I would watch it again. I saw it in the XD theater today at like 10 in the morning by myself. It was a totally fun watch. It was absolutely a silly goose time if there ever was one, but you know, by no means a cinematic achievement or or a storytelling achievement or any, like even a technological one. Like I'm not exactly excited for Avatar in the sense of expecting it to be anything emotionally deep, but this, the effects in Avatar in a few months are going to be great. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't any of that, but it was a, it was a fun summer blockbuster. Yeah. I dug it. Yeah. With A-list actor. Yeah. 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 As many as you can shake a stick at. It was awesome. Um, you got anything else in this? Should we just give it a rating and then call it a day until the spoilers? Yeah, I don't I don't want to trash it. I think we made yeah. it pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't pick a it's, lane. It couldn't it's even It's not bad enough to be trashed. No. Like, nor was it trying to be good enough to warrant that kind of thing. No, it does it wasn't good enough to warrant a deep reflection. No. And it wasn't bad enough to say it was garbage. Not a bit. It was perfectly middle of the road action cheese that felt borderline out of a comic book. Yes. Sure. Uh okay. So out of ten, Johnny Summers, bullet train. There was like a Yeah, for me, it's a six even. Uh, Just like a super, like I would see it in theaters. It's one of those movies. It's going to be better in theaters. I wasn't mad. One thing I will say though. Yeah. Little tediously long. If you're going to be this tedious and and plot heavy for no reason, dude, 90. Yeah. Maybe 100 minutes, 110. As a reminder, it's uh, two hours and six minutes. And I think part of that's a problem with momentum. The movie starts out, like you said, I think you used the word frenetic. Mm -hmm. There's especially those flashback montages we get introduced to a lot of characters and a lot of story arcs quickly there's a there's a character called the wolf mm-hmm. who has an incredibly bloody violent backstory and of did you were you wondering if he howled 
I actually thought that was annoying. I was hoping yeah. he wouldn't do it, but he no, did. No, I know. Yeah. I'm like, gee, I wonder if yeah, he's going right. to howl. The necklace was enough for me. Yeah. Um, but then after those first kind of, I would say probably the first 45 minutes, there's a bit of a lull, mm-hmm. um, which is okay because you get a little character development. I think that's David Leach trying to make his characters three-dimensional and giving you some emotional stakes, which I think, you know, in a movie like this is maybe not necessary, at least no. for as many characters as he tries to uh, do it with. Yeah, no, we need to be invested in like Brad Pitt's character, maybe one or two more. 100%. All right, well, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Again, Bullet Train is in a theater near you, probably. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or you can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. And to our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on the KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Bullet Train, review of that second beer from The Veil, and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your preferred podcast app. We'll be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. Here we are. If you've never joined us for one of these before, it's where we spoil, in this case, Bullet Train. So if you haven't seen it, we are in the future where you we are on a podcast app. So you can pause it. You can see the movie. You can come back and listen. You'll be right up to speed with us. Before we get to the Bullet Train, though, the Bullet Train, just Bullet Train. Um, let's talk prices on that first beer, Johnny Summers, now that we can talk about it. $6.99. $6.99, a pretty fair price. Yeah, both of our beers this week were $6.99. Okay. Like 15 bucks out the door for both that's of them. That's pretty solid. Yeah. But if you're buying singles, 16 ounce cans, which I can't remember if we said or not, that's what it is. Uh, good price, I think. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into Bullet Train. Spoiler territory, final warning. You have been such warned, solely warned. Yeah. The, the guy that is the White Death. Yeah. Totally took me out of it. Okay, so so Michael Shannon plays the White Death, and he's um he's an to set up the character if you if you can't remember he's from Russia and has infiltrated a sort of yakuza adjacent crime family in Japan, mm-hmm. and his identity is held close to the vest until it's revealed. And a Michael Shannon reveal for me is it's kind of like what you're saying. It's not. It doesn't almost ever work. Like, I think we've covered Michael Shannon a few times on the show. I was um, way more stoked about the Sandra Bullock reveal. Right, which is the tie-in, by the way, to The Lost City. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Did you see that movie? No. Are you familiar at all with yeah. it? I saw trailers. That's about it. Okay, me too. Um, okay, I'll come back to Michael Shannon. The Lost yeah. City, uh, Sandra Bullock is a an, like a like a adult novel writer, mm-hmm. and Channing Tatum plays her cover model for the art. She's the Fabio of the situation. He's the Fabio. Wait. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in that movie, Brad Pitt shows up briefly with a cameo and he's like a, a stunt man. I can't remember what his deal is, but I'm showing Johnny now and I'm, you guys can Google it if you want. This is a, this is a shot from the movie, uh, the lost city. Oh uh, yes. And the characters are basically dressed the same. His hair's tied back. And when he tied it back in bullet train, I was like, this reminds me of that movie. And then sure enough, Sandra Bullock is the voice <laughs> of, uh, Marie Beadle, his, uh, his girl in the chair, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Yes, but Michael Shannon, we covered in uh, Lady in the or not Lady in the Water. Uh, well, he was Shape in that. of Water. He was not in the Lady in the Water, was he? No, Paul Giamatti was in that. I Shape think. of Water. You're right. Um, Michael Shannon is almost always cast as a bad guy. It seems to me yeah. he's got a villain face. Mm-hmm. He can he can really do like the scowling sort of. Was that jawline? And yeah, the, and his voice. Eyebrows. Yeah, but you cast him as a Russian 
sort of crime and and combat specialist. Like I just don't buy it. No, with sometimes an accent. Yeah, it's tough. So what is it with the actors and Russian accents? They they, they come Anya and, and, and then they go. The dark uh, dark mutants. It's called the, oh the new mutants. Yeah. Um, oh, that was yeah. so distracting. Yes, it was. Because yeah. like, I don't know why Russian Russian accents seem to be the the Achilles heel of uh, certain actors. The Yuri's heel. Speaking of which. I saw Troy it was playing in a place the other day and I was watching it and Brad Pitt's accent also kind of came and went. Speaking yeah. of Achilles and speaking of Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, but yeah, distracting here. Michael Shannon, not the best call. I really thought that um, Hiroyuki Sonata was going to be the white death and then he kind of limps on with his cane. And I was like, oh. And then there's like a whole other bit of the movie where it's like, nope, we're going to find out a new character. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. There were so many characters that we were supposed to get invested in. Like, the the um the poisoner oh sure um there was a word for her oh her yeah her name was the um i was gonna say the viper but that's not quite right oh, the it was um, hornet the hornet the hornet and she kills people with snakes go yeah, figure zazie beats she's another mercenary and and like totally utilize zazie totally. beats in this movie yeah too. You, you start though when you saw that giant you know whatever character that was were you like this mm-hmm. thing's gonna come into play oh yeah like there's a, there's an assassin inside of that suit for sure yeah that's like the fluffiest red herring yeah um so yeah like like at some point during the movie you're like why are all these people even on this same train as yeah. if for the briefcase and it, it wasn't because not every or was it were no, they? no they weren't because because like joey king's character the prince who is named a traditionally male name the prince but is actually a girl that's like a whole thing um and then one dude kind of hapless dude his son was pushed off of a roof because and this is where it gets like all right we're really really trying to make a lot of double crosses here Mm -hmm. but he's his son is pushed off a roof by joey king his character the prince because he is associated with a family who works for uh the white death or whatever and her plan is then to get him to kill the white death for her it turns out he's her dad and she's just trying to impress him which I also thought was a bit of a letdown as a plot device. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of those plots that were like injected into this. Yes. And then those people were immediately killed off. I'm like, why did I just watch a five minute montage of their whole life just yes. to watch them get their head blown off? I don't know if I told you, I recently rewatched Bad Times at the El Royale. I love that movie. We didn't though. When we I saw thought I it. did. No, we both no? didn't like it. And then we mm. got an email from a friend of the show, Lauren Lindley, who like basically schooled us on the history of neo-noir or mm. film noir in general and how this was kind of just that cranked up to 11 with all of the different, and in this case, like the the crazy elaborate plot twist. And like mm. this would have worked for that for me, but it, it just, it's not only that. Like it's doing so many other things that don't work that it's working against that element. Yeah. Because um, I could have gotten down with all of the different plot stuff, but it's just so much. Well, yeah. And when you have a movie where you're trying to basically do like John Wick mm-hmm. meets like almost like a baby driver meets snatch. Mm-hmm. Like those were the impressions that I got like snatch sure. and lock stock, two smoking barrels kept coming to mind. Mm-hmm. And like with a dash of kill bill one and two, there's some Tarantino for sure influence on some of this. Yeah. But like when you get that, those movies do their own thing. Those directors have their own style. Mm-hmm. Those movies have their own lane. It felt like you were, just trying to do too much with this movie, not even just all the plot points, but you can like, I mean, there's certain examples, like some of those early Guy Ritchie movies and even the gentlemen, they Mm. do action, right? But they're not big on like the hand-to-hand combat as much, but like it's a really tall order to try and do amazing hand-to-hand combat a la John Wick, Mm -hmm. have the snappy dialogue, the editing, 
and have such an involved plot. Yeah. Like, has there ever been a movie like, let's say like this or similar adjacent even that has pulled off that many elements and going and for, done it well and done it well. I don't think so. It's, I don't think it's impossible. I just think it, it would take, it would take a team probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like David Leach has done some pretty okay movies. I think John Wick are probably the, the best of them. I liked Atomic Blonde quite I a bit. I did like Atomic Blonde. Yeah. And I was kind of bummed cause there's, there's like two really good fight scenes in this movie, hand to hand fight scenes. I think one is, um, uh, Brad Pitt and Aaron Taylor Johnson fighting in the like the snack room. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, but not John Wick caliber. Like, there's so many quick cuts, a lot of close up. Like you kind of just have to, uh, you know, uh, imagine what's going on. And I was hoping for more, like real combat stuff. Yeah. So no. it doesn't even deliver on that front, which no, is kind fights. of a bummer. And especially when the whole movie is prefaced with Brad Pitt's character abandoning his firearm. Like so you, I actually, you, I should, I gathered that obviously, but I think I missed like the first seven minutes of the movie, mm. maybe eight, maybe 10, somewhere in there. Yeah. He basically took the job. He was filling in for some guy named Carver right? and he goes to the locker to get his stuff and he grabs all this stuff and, and leaves then leaves the gun because yeah. he's like, I don't want to kill anybody anymore. Right. The, uh, the Ryan Gosling or Ryan Reynolds reveal as Carver did not much for me. No, I'm, I'm pretty over Ryan Reynolds in self, self-aware movies. That's <laughs> fine. I get it. Like, great. That's Carver, yes. And then we get the joke, like, yeah, he is a bit of a dick. It's like, yeah, that's like a Reynolds thing. That's fine. Um, I don't care. Yeah. Um, the Channing Tatum thing, also f- fine, I guess. But it rang dangerously close to his character in um, This Is The End. Mm-hmm. When he was like the gimp for Danny McBride's character. Like his first line is like, is this a sex thing? Oh man, I'm just kidding. Like I'm a, I'm a little sex weirdo, but not. I don't know. Not a funny joke. Not a great character to have. I don't know why he was in this. Yeah, just to have him in there to be in there. Yeah, maybe they had some budget left over. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I yeah, man. Like there's a lot going on. Um, but I think if you separate yourself, or if a viewer might separate oneself from really critically watching this in any sort of emotional stakes kind of way, it's a totally fun watch. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I would almost rather watch it, you know, in a foreign language, so I'm not paying attention to the you know, dialogue. No, dude. Nope. Because the action's not good enough for that either. Right. Like, but you need just, a little bit of everything. Yeah, I just don't. If, if I ever rewatch this again, which I might, because Brad Pitt was great. He's okay. I would pay less attention to all the plot. The entire plot. I don't think the movie stands on its own without it. I don't think it stands on its own without anything that's in there. Like it's, it yeah. has everything it needs and none of it's enough. But the plot's so hard to follow. I don't know. It kind of took me out of it. So I would say I'd pay atten- less attention to that. You know, I would still pay attention to it, but I wouldn't follow it like it's going to tie the whole movie together and make this a complete package for me. Sure. That was the the impetus to me saying nope. It okay. was just like, okay, there's a plot. It's going to all get tied up. There's going to be like a 10-minute mustache twirling montage at the end yes. that's going to tell you anyway which there was. Mm-hmm. So why do I need to give a fuck? Let's I just that's, finish, let's that's just enjoy the, the movie. fun of it. Like it's, it's, it's murder on the Orient Express plus clue. Like you need, like the whodunit aspect of this, I think is, is what drives it a little bit. Like, cause the plot is so convoluted. Yeah. You gotta be like, okay, I care a little bit. But like, I want to know. Simply impossible to follow. Oh really? Yeah. It, everything was happening so fast and a lot of the accents were so heavy. It was like, I think I know why they're here. I think I know. I think but I wasn't sure. Okay, different experiences. Because I was with it. I thought it was almost predictable. I was like, okay, I, I kind of know why. Every, like, I know, I definitely know why everybody's here. I kind of know where they're going with this. Too. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it, it reads differently for, for different people, yeah. for sure. Um, 
yeah, at worst, I might have found it boring. That's fair. Um, but that's kind of all I got on Bullet Train. Do you have anything else? No. I mean, it's pretty hilarious watching uh, Brad Pitt play with the robotic toilet. Sure. That was quite amusing. Yeah. That gag came back yeah. a couple times. Yeah. There was a lot of fun little gags that kept totally. happening. Yeah, it's a great bit movie. Yeah, like the water bottle. Yes. It kept coming back. Totally. There, the water bottle got its own montage. It did, that which was also, see, it didn't work for me. Yeah. It was I, fine, but like, I got it. Well, that makes yeah. sense. The dumb humor would work for me. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's move on to something that might work for both of us. Are you ready for beer number two? God, yes. Johnny Summers, what is beer number two now that we've fished it out of our podcast cellar? No. No, we can't podcast anymore. We can't? What do we got? Something going on? Yeah, we got to go. It's bros night out. Oh, it's bros night out. I forgot. Yeah. That was the worst bit in history. No, I thought it was pretty, it was not your Ooh. it was not even your worst. Oh, it's thanks. Much less that's our probably worst. Probably not even my worst today. <laughs> probably not. Jesus it was just Christ. off air for a minute. Yeah, that's um, true. Okay, Bros Night Out. Let's talk about it. We're still in case anybody's just tuning in, the Vale Brewing out of uh, Richmond, Virginia. So tell me stuff, Johnny. That's right. It is Bros Night Out. B R O Z. It is an Imperial New England IPA, clocking at 9%. The Imperial version of our low ABV Citra IPA Bros Day Off. Pale malt, a bunch of oats, and hopped exclusively and intensely All right. with 100% citra The hops. opposite of beer one. Okay. Clocking in at 9%. I love it said exclusively and intensely. Yeah. Clocking in at 9%. This one is insane. Incredible amounts or incredible aromatics of lychee, tangerine, grapefruit peel, dankness with an extremely similar flavor, flavor profile. Very low bitterness too. Oh man, you're, you're going to like this less than the first and I like it quite a bit more. Um, you're sniffing it. I've got it in my glass. It smells um, so good. It is. It's really good. Um, a very different can design than the first in case anybody gets a chance. The writing of the uh, phrase bros night out is um, flipped backwards. Uh, is that the right way to say that? Backwards? Or mirrored. Mirrored maybe, but it's also backwards. It's both. Backwards is mirrored and <laughs> mirrored. Well, so like the B would be over here normally. So the B's on the right side and the letters are flipped. Mm-hmm. I think that's the easiest way to say that. <laughs> it's inverted. In, in other words, if you were to read it this way, you could not. If it was on a piece <laughs> of glass, you're reading it from oh boy, the other side. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes, it, that's exactly what it is. So it's like you're inside the can looking out. Mm-hmm. Great. You've sipped it. I have. Do you like it more or less than the first beer? I think I like it more. Really? It has got such a direct flavor. There's like, it's pulling no punches. This is like... Bitter orange juice. Yes. It is so much more simple and of a singular mind and focus Mm -hmm. than the first one. Yeah. That I'm enjoying it just because it's to the point. It's way more easy to figure out. Yes, it is. It's way more, I think it's a bit more balanced too. I wanted a bit more sweetness out of that first one. Like Mm -hmm. I said, it was a bit aggressive and hoppy. Uh, This is a far more balanced beer. Still on the sweet side. Sure. Um, but it's getting really close to that happy medium where the, mm-hmm. the, the scales of hop justice are balanced and my palate is happy. I I'm digging it so far. Okay. What do you I, think? No, it's, I think, it, I think it's great. Um, it smells so good. It smells great. It tastes great. Um, it doesn't taste like 9%. I think we're getting into the ABV levels here where we should talk about the, Dude, that's uh, so good. the, the, uh, the secretive element of mm-hmm. the alcohol here. Cause 9% uh, is not low. No, it's, and then it's got the bitter finish, mm-hmm. little dry. Yeah, oh. it's got yeah, it's got the sweetness up front that kind of 
kind of preps you for, for something that ties a nice bow at the end. It's like, nope, that's the end of this drinking experience. If you want another drink, you can, but we're not going to linger too, too long. That's fire. It's really good. That's fantastic. I've only had one drink. I'm going to have another. Um, tell take- me about the color of this beer, please. Uh, pale straw yellow, absolutely hazy, not see-through. Um, I would say medium carbonation. Yep. It's like a 5.56 out of 10 carbonated. Is bubbly, but did you say 5.56? Oh, 5.5 or 6? Yeah. I was like, you're in the thousands, dude. Um, <laughs> this rating system's going through the roof. Insane. Yeah, you're spot on. There's a bit of lacing around. There's not a ton of head that's hanging around, even though we've both kind of drank aggressively and swirled it. I'm not mm-hmm. getting much that's lingering. No, but that sweetness feels so natural. Yeah. I think it was last week we were drinking one of the hot butcher beers, mm-hmm. and I equated it to tasting a bit like white table sugar. Like like just cane sugar. Yeah, maybe. it had like a cane sugary sweetness. Yes, and this feels way more of a juicy sweetness. It has like that tropical juice vibe versus being sweet in a one dimensional pure saccharine kind of way. Yeah, for breakfast today I uh, had beer, <laughs> amongst other things, cut up a fresh peach, mm. and there is something to be said for a natural sweetness. Uh, something you might get out of a fruit. Like we find this often in in like fruit adjunct sours or, or really fruit adjunct anywhere. Even sometimes hazy IPAs that have real fruit or like a smoothie, any type of beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think that that sense of genuineness and, and uh, natural sugar sweetness makes a big difference. I don't think that's exactly what's happening here on a brewing level, but that's what it tastes like. Yeah, totally. Like uh, biting into a, an overripe peach mm-hmm. is way better than any sort of peach flavored drink you'll ever have. Yeah, that's probably just, true. Just there's no way. Um, I'm also really impressed that the Citra Hop is doing this much, right? Because I often find that one to be pretty underwhelming mm-hmm. and and more of a base sort of, uh, you know, like not flashy but reliable hop. Is this one like double dry hopped or or triple fandangled or anything? I don't I don't think so. Schmancy. Uh, it certainly wasn't on Untapped, and I'm not seeing anything on the can, so I'm gonna say no. Uh, but I mean, Citra's not a terribly aggressive hop, so it makes sense that it wouldn't be. Super bitey? No, this all fits well together. This puzzle's coming together. But it should be heavier and sharper than this at 9%, and it's not. And I think that's, yeah, to its credit, for sure. Yeah, I just dusted that first small taster glass I had. Yeah. Just no chance. Yeah. This is killer. Like, I will buy another can of this next time I'm up there. Yeah. Good. I w- you're going to go up there anyway, naturally, in your line of work, but yeah. I, it sounds like you would probably go to get this. I might. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think I would. Um, I'm excited for the prospect of Johnny Summers rating an Imperial New England IPA in the realm of high sevens to eights. Yeah. That's fun for me. Um, I'm still working on my first class because I've been talking, I think, a little bit more than uh, usual, which is a big, big thing to say. Mm. Uh, I'm having another drink. <laughs> Man, I love this. It's, I love it for the drinkability, the balance of that juice that's not overly sweet and the hops. That are not too aggressive. I think this is a really well-made recipe. Like this fucks on the level of like a like a treehouse beer for me. Just like top tier, hazy, just the balance, drinkability. No one note is the star. Everything comes together. It's hop forward, but it's not incredibly bitter and dry. It's sweet and juicy, but not so much that it kills your palate with just too much sugar. Uh, it's yeah, it's that great, perfect, right in the sweet spot balance that I want out of a New England IPA. This is 
maybe my favorite New England IPA of the year so far. When I get into the realms of eight plus, which sure as you're born, that's where I'm tiptoeing around right now. I start to appreciate more nuanced qualities in a beer. And I think that's probably par for the course. I think it goes on either end of that spectrum. Uh, if you go very low, the more egregious things start to stand out. And I think if you go really high, the more nuanced things start to stand out to you. And what I'm appreciating about this one in particular is the evolution of what's happening. Cause so I've now had maybe four ounces and, and, and at first it was everything we were saying. It's very smooth and there's elements of sweetness and sharpness and bitterness and all that. But what I noticed on my last drink is that it does change over the course of like 10 seconds after drinking. If you really focus on it, there's a shifting and you know, it's, it's almost, yeah, it's, it's an evolution of sorts from, from a kind of softness it, and it's in its broadest terms, softness to a really sharp dry finish. And the journey along the way is something that I think you can pinpoint about every second it changes. Mm -hmm. um, and it, everything from mouthfeel to flavor to carbonation even kind of shifts. Yeah. And then you've got like a sudden dash of aggressive pithiness. Totally. There's that just jolt of bitter and dry at the end. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's very much a punctuation mark of some sort. I don't think it's quite aggressive enough to call it an exclamation point, but it's, it's definitely either a period the or word a dot, is, dot, dot. The word is emphasized. Yeah, sure. Sure. Are you, are you talking like text talk right now? No. Or like... What do we use? Docs. You can emphasize a word, and it just kind of—is that a thing? Yeah, it kind of like does it. Yeah, yeah. it does it on texts as well, mm -hmm. like on iPhones. Yeah, boom. It's like in italics. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um. Yeah, man. It's this is a it's a very well made beer. I'm very excited about this one. Big fan. Big, big fan. Big fan. Give me a negative. Do you have any? Because we're we're praising it so much that we're going to need to justify why it's not a ten if it's not. And I don't think it is for either of us, but I think it's close. And I we got to talk about why not. It's real close. It's real, real close. It's closer than a lot of New England IPAs have come for me. Um, you know, I think if it cut back that pithiness on the end. Right on the end. That's really what's getting mm -hmm. me is just that aftertaste. Is it, it is it just to, it's just hard to cut you off, but is it is it the the citrusy pithiness you're talking about, or is it the the hop bitterness? Well, the citrus pithiness is coming from the hop bitterness. So I don't understand. Yeah, the maybe question. I can rephrase it. Like like for me, uh, like a hot bitterness can often resonate as dryness and, and like mm. a sharp, but but the flavor, like a citrus sharpness. No, it's a citrus is, sharpness. It's the flavor. Okay. Yeah. For me, it's the hop thing. Mm. Like it's, it's almost finishing too pointy, but the flavor's good. But like the, the, the yeah, maybe I'm not even describing this right. There's like a sharpness and, and almost too dry of a finish that, that counteracts the sweetness that I got before. Yeah. I, this is a nitpick too. It's not mm -hmm, even a, totally. a very large. That's what I'm saying. Upper end of the spectrum. Yeah, like it's not disparaging it, but it mm -hmm. definitely that pithiness is chewing on an orange rind for sure. Where that is not present in the first three quarters of the beer, if not, like but the you first get it on the ninety percent. Yeah, yeah, but you get it right on the finish, and it does kind of leave a gnarly taste in your mouth. It does. Um, fortunately, well, I guess unfortunately for you because you're out. But if uh, you go back for another drink, that washes right away. So good. So I think it's time to rate it. What it's a nine think? three. Yeah, nine three. It's All day. Nine, it's a nine for me. It's that really, really great marks. Probably my favorite New England IPA, and it's a imperial nine percent. Woo! And seven dollars. Yeah. One more shout out for we got it or no, bro? Liquor Bar in Reading. It's Man. the only place in Northern California I've seen this brewery. Okay. Do I'm sure we have some listeners in Reading too. Well, uh, yeah. So if you're in Reading, for sure, pick this up. Um, I would say if you're in Chico and feel like driving, you should go that way. Yeah, and grab I'm going to grab at least a can for myself. So if you're my yeah. friend. Dude, let's grab. I mean, we got a bar hang coming up for our patrons probably this month. So let's let's grab like a four pack and we can bring this fun. to, to I'll the grab, share. I'll grab some we next up. week when I'm up there. Sorry, okay. totally just talked over you. No, we were saying the same thing. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else on Bros Night Out from the Vale Brewing Company? Very impressed with this brewery. Uh, first one, not nearly as good as this one, but still solid and well made. Okay. I am leaning towards trying things from them when I see them. I would absolutely there was do that. Two sours that they had. Do you want to do them next week? No. That'd be fun. No. Because it's such the opposite side of but the But I want to do one of them on Patreon. No. For sure. Let's wait. How long should we wait? At least eight months. Yeah. Yeah. The same as but we do with everything. But it's just so yeah. the opposite. Like It is. Hmm. Yeah. Now that makes sense. Yeah, it's too soon. We'll do one for Patreon. That'd be great. Because yeah. I want to try one out. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, grab one of them and we'll review that for our, our patrons on Patreon for sure. Um, okay. You good with hot and bothered? You got anything else in this beer? Drink it, dude. So fucking good. Favorite New England IPA of the year. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, the portion of this podcast where we talk about our weeks, uh, potentially irrespective of movies and beer, though. I know for a fact, Johnny, you're talking about a movie uh, in your section. So uh, you want to kick it off? Tell me what's going on with you. Yeah. Do you want to hear about the movie I watched or what I did this weekend first? I'm more interested in the movie, actually, because you've kind of hyped it up. I have. So, but do you have hard. do you have kind of basic info for the movie prepared? Yeah. Okay, then I want to hear about that. All right. So my hot this week is a movie called Prey. Mm-hmm. It takes place three hundred years before the movie Predator, starring Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Prey was directed by Dan Trachtenberg. Oh, really? You might know him. I do. He's directed some of the boys. He's done. Oh, some, is that what it he's is? Done some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, But this was a Hulu original, and that's a damn shame because this could have been... Theatrical? Very much so. so? I think this would have done really well in theaters. It's It's rolling at 92% on Rotten Tomatoes and like 7.2 on IMDb right now. Okay. Uh, Solid, though. Uh, Solid ratings. But the most important thing, I really like. That is the most important thing. So what we find is a completely... Uh, untouched Comanche civilization. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, but for people that don't know, keep going. I'm going to keep saying, because like, you're telling me for the first time, and I'm remembering seeing this. Not oh, the yeah. Movie, but like the trailer. The trailer. You probably saw the trailer once. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so what you have is like this completely untouched Comanche society, and we get out of nowhere. Like there's a lot of story that happens before this about – there's this this woman named Naru, and she's played by an actress named Amber Midthunder. Oh, and I, that sounds like a native name to me. Yeah, this cool. the whole cast is predominantly Native American. Awesome. It's actually one of the most uh, Native American casts in history for a sure. movie. Uh, really fucking dopest fact ever. Uh, one of the first drafts of the script, the stipulation was this movie has to be filmed all in Comanche. In the language. Yes. Oh, neat. And that was how it was originally intended to be watched. Uh, but when Disney bought out Fox, they scrapped that. Oh. Um, but they were able to work it in that there is a Comanche dub of this movie with English subtitles. And that is how they say that this movie was meant to be watched. Okay. Well, that sucks, doesn't it? If it was meant to be watched that way, maybe release it that way. It would have been great. If, but okay. Like, yeah. But there is a Comanche dub of it, and I cannot wait to rewatch this because I learned all this after initial watch. Mm-hmm. I want to watch the Comanche dub quite a bit because there's only been two or three major releases ever um, dubbed, yeah, or you know, recorded in a native language. You don't, you don't know any language, do you? 
A little bit. I know a few words here and there. Dude, I f- yeah, I feel like the move would have been to record it, like to, to film it with the well, absolutely, language and then dub it in English. But Yeah, I would have loved that, but that's never going to happen, even for a straight-to-Hulu movie. But who knows? Maybe this movie laid the groundwork for that. Sure. Um, we'll see. Uh, but on to the movie-wise. That was a great um, fact, by the way. Thank I feel you. like that should be noted. That was a really cool thing to know. Thank you. Yeah. I... Um, was really stoked about like the representation in this movie i think it was mm-hmm. really really cool i mean that's something that's close to close to my heart so i was all about it uh but that aside what we had was a really damn good science fiction horror movie mm-hmm. like this is a hundred percent a list like monster mm-hmm. movie meets action horror sci-fi like yeah it had everything you want, including like beautiful landscapes that they don't rush through. Like they let the the land breathe, they let the characters breathe. They show multifaceted aspects of Native American culture and the fact that they're all just people. Because a lot of times you get this polarization of they're either all savage, savages, or yeah, all sure. spiritual. Yeah, and it was so cool to see just them just being people. Yeah, uh, and thriving and how things were back then. Um, so the essential through line of this plot is our main character, Naru, and her dog. Dog gets supporting actor of the year for me. Oh, nice. Great dog in this movie. Uh, and she wants to be a hunter. And basically her whole society is saying... You're a woman. You don't get to hunt. Make yeah, clothes. What, what are you doing? There's, sure. See those flowers? Go pick them. We need mm-hmm. medicine. Um, so she's like combating that, and she gets to go out on some hunts with her brother uh, but then this this whole predator situation comes into play, and wait, what is so like the predator situation is that there's these aliens, right, mm-hmm. that come to Earth to hunt humans. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, great to hunt other predators. So you right. you kind of see it in this movie that like the predators not just going after people; it's going after like the apex, apex humans, predators, sure, apex predators, or they can mainly animals towards the first part of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, the predator actually hunts animals in this movie. Okay. Um, and there's kind of a parallel between the predator that we see land on Earth um, and Naru, and mm-hmm. that it appears that they're both kind of going through their their trials, their initiations, if you will. Right. Um, and I've I've read a lot into um, like predator canon because there's a whole canon. I guess there's comic books. And when novels. have you done this? Uh, since two days ago. Okay, sure. You're not like a longtime diehard fan. No. Of predator? After I watched the movie, I started reading okay. up and. It's part of the canon that like the predator doesn't get the three pointed mm-hmm. um the yeah, like the, the laser, laser cannon shoulder mounted laser yeah, yeah. cannon. You don't get that until you defeat at least one xenomorph in hand to hand combat. Really? Yeah, it's all like a thing. I what, didn't even know. Briefly, what are your thoughts on alien versus predator? They were terrible. There's more than one? There was two. Oh really? Yeah. They had massive potential and they completely fucked it up. Because that seems like a huge part of the mythology. I didn't know that was like like I know that was a species they hunted, the the xenomorphs were. Yeah. Uh Okay, great. Yeah, they have, some of their weaponry is actually designed specifically to fight xenomorphs in like hand to hand combat. Sure. It's dope. Like they could do so much better mm-hmm. with those movies, mm-hmm. and hopefully this is a segue into that. But anyways, we had a, a predator and a young huntress, uh, kind of on their journeys of self discovery and self proving self worth, and it took us so many twists and turns in their their combat. And Are they fighting each other this whole time? Oh yeah. So, like, where is her tribe? Where are her people during that? Is she um, out on her own? Essentially, the the predator was like got dropped off real far away, mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it's something that like they're having to go figure out what it is and they mm-hmm. send out like a hunting party. Those people die immediately. Obviously there's only one they, or two yeah, people. Yeah, kinda, exactly. So you can yeah. kind of fill in the gaps there, but that's how they set that up. Okay. It's like a very far away from home base. And that's part of her, her quest. Mm-hmm. There's a word for it and I can't remember what it is. It's in Cherokee, but it's a, uh, basically a coming of age hunt where you have to yeah. hunt something yeah. that's hunting you. Yeah, that's what you do. You go after a bear or like a mountain lion. Does it, she get a cool weapon at the end? No spoilers. Nice. Okay, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like that seems like a nice parallel to. Well, she makes one. Sure, so, out of one of his weapons, nope. probably. Oh, really? Out of one of her own. But it's it's such a badass action movie, and it it's the best Predator since the one with uh, Arnold mm-hmm. by far, like by far. And I would make the argument. In a lot of ways, it's better than that one. Okay. So this might be like my number one Predator movie. You've all seen time. all of them? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm big fan of them. I mean, Dude. it's an alien science fiction action horror movie. It's like made for me. Do you know how many there are? So one, two, mm. three, four. Mm-mm, lost me. Five, six. There's been six movies with Predator in it. And you're Okay. Sure. Okay. All right. That's a lot. So there was Predator 1, Predator 2, Alien versus Predator, mm. Alien versus Predator 2. And this. Predator... Uh, predators and the predator and this and then this okay so seven seven total great yeah but yeah this this is number one man it's it harkens so much back to uh, the arnold's character dutch in the original Mm -hmm. having to outwit yes uh, something that it is far physically that's the interesting part of those movies if you ask me Mm -hmm. is like like yeah the 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 challenge of brains because like the I've only seen, like, I've seen the original for sure. I've seen Alien vs. Predator. I owned it mm-hmm. on DVD when I was, like, nice. freshman in college. Like, they come to hunt the xenomorphs. They, like, plant their eggs on Earth. Mm-hmm. I'm talking AVP. And then they come to hunt them. And then they realize they're good, but humans are are far more the challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's, like, a battle of wits, basically. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the crux of the original uh, was that this, you have this elite military unit mm-hmm. Every single one of them could take most humans on Earth in for hand-to-hand sure. combat. Well, all of their skills and all of their firepower are completely negated. What you're left with is mm-hmm. your wits and how do you win that battle. Yeah. Like you said, that's what made the original so good. And this totally falls in line with that because yeah. Naru is physically not anywhere close to the character of Dutch in the first movie right. or any of the crew. Or Predator. Or Predator. Yeah. So, like, yeah, she's not even close to the the humans that it fought in that movie, much less the aliens. So. Mm-hmm. You're working at this massive physical disparity of strength, so it it all comes down to intelligence and mm-hmm. just the will to live. Yeah. And oh my god, yeah, I am going to say it's right now in my top five of the year. Really? Yep, that's impressive. It's okay. one of the best sci-fi movies I've ever seen. You're just up in the stakes with every sentence. Yep. Okay, well I'll no, have to watch it now. It's like top five of the year for sure, and it's immediately on my top ten like sci-fi movies of all time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, I want to watch it again. Like, I wanted to watch it again that night, but I had to go to bed. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great, man. You, you got to watch else it for me. You got to watch it. I will. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. I, I partied in South Lake Tahoe all weekend. Like, oh, an cool. idiot. I you was guys at- doing Jaeger bombs and rushing your frat when you were partying in South Lake? No. <laughs> Is that mean? a thing? No. It's just that's a very it's a very um, youthful thing to say. I was partying in South Lake. Yeah. Um, so, a friend of the show. Brian McAllister was up there okay. uh, working a bit, and I had the opportunity to go grab a room because okay. he works for Lagunitas. Right. Uh, so I went up there and got a room and 
was just in the same city as him and he was doing some beer events and I got to hang out at those with him. Cool. So it was a fun excuse to get out of town and hang out with a friend who's usually very isolated when they're Mm -hmm. working. You know what that's like. I do. Uh, So it was fun. But yeah, stayed up way too late, drank Mm -hmm. way too much because there's no last call in Nevada. No, they like money. Yeah, they just go. They'll let you drink all night. Like you, do you want a ribeye and a vodka soda at 4 a.m. on a Sunday morning? It's not good to live there, You degen? Yeah, yeah, I want one. Yeah. Gimme it. Yeah. All right. Well, it was good. It was a blast though. Had cool. some good food, good drinks, good conversations. Actually had fun. Didn't nobody got like hammered out of control. It was more just we were having fun. It just went late. Yeah. So which yeah. is the best. Yeah, so, that's the move. Yeah. That was a good time. And that was my first time in South Lake Tahoe. Oh. Yeah, it's a it's a town. It's a cleaner, more wealthy Reno. Yes, in some ways, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. What you What do you got going on? I just talked for 20 minutes. I've I'll be brief. I've got a couple things. Um, in the backyard, we constructed uh basically a water slide. Oh, sick. In the creek, um, by diverting the water, essentially by moving large rocks, and I bought a, an inner tube, and we've now used that a few times. And nice. by we, I mean myself and Robert, my friend and roommate, and uh, my friend Cassie, who came up with her son Bennett. Spent a couple nights. And we just tore up that creek. Fun. It was great. So now there's a whole sort of like there's a, there's a, the slide itself, of course, and then it shoots you in one of two ways, depending on if you want to float down the river a little bit or if you want to pull yourself back around and go again. And of course, we built an up ramp back to the top of the slide to go again. Dude, that sounds so fun. So my legs are bit up by little river bugs. I've got so many little red bumps on like my knees down, but it's been worth it. I've got a huge sun. My back is so itchy. It's got like, <laughs> I spent like hours and hours just like lifting rocks in the water. It's a good workout though. It's a great workout, a great way to throw out your back. Yeah. All wrapped in one. Did you do both or neither? Both, for oh, sure. Fun. Um, but it was great. Yeah. Uh maybe we'll walk down. I can I can show you over the the cliff. We can walk down like 10 feet and you can see it. Yeah. Uh, but that was my uh, my last couple of days. So it's been great. I love it. Um, do you have anything else on anything that we've talked about this week, Johnny Summers? You should watch Prey like as soon as possible. I will. I won't watch it tonight, but I will. And I won't watch it tomorrow or the next day because I have two shows. Jesus. Or the next day because I have a wedding or the next day because I'm leaving town. I actually probably won't watch it before next week. So, but I will watch it. Can't you watch it tonight? Because uh, I have a rehearsal tonight. No. Yep. Fair enough. Which will probably, uh, you know, by the time it starts, then be bedtime. Who knows? You don't have a bedtime. I do have a bedtime. Yeah? Yes. I won't <laughs> tell anybody now what it is because I'm young and youthful and I stay up <laughs> as late as I want, but between you and me, yeah. No, I try to go to bed and get up at a reasonable hour because I make my own schedule. I'm getting too old to stay up. That's fair. You're turning so, over a new new leaf. Yes, I am. Do you um, have anything else on the show? No, let's get out of here. Okay. Um, thanks as always because the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, who, by the way, was in my latest YouTube music video. I guess I should shout that out too. Hello. Uh, it was very fun. We recorded a cover of a George Ezra song. First time Bailey's been on uh, a video of mine. So if you like music or sibling uh, singing rivalries, which is basically what this is turning into because she's better than me. Check that out on my YouTube channel. Um, thanks to people on Patreon, The Handlebar. Great happy hour. Check it out if you haven't. And I am Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Be sure to drink some delicious beer, watch, pray, but most importantly, be good to each other. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.